0: Maxime Bernay is a freelance front-of-house engineer, tour manager, and monitor engineer. She has worked with artists such as Wolf Parade, Operators, and Trust. Max also developed an introduction to live sound class for women, which she has taught in several cities in Canada. Welcome, Max, to our podcast. Welcome, Max. Hey, thanks for having me. Yay. I, um,
1: I've kind of stalked Max a little bit on the Sound Girls website for years in webinars and blogs and all of the things that you do for SoundGirls, girls and not in a creepy stocky way but in a in in a i appreciate you way and uh Aww. i appreciate your uh the way you teach others and mentor people too so thank you
2: oh that's so sweet
0: how did you get your started? Is nice. St- not that stocking's nice. What'd you say? I love that stocking. Stocking is nice. <laughs> it's
2: very Canadian stocking. Nice stocking.
0: Polite Nicely stocking. done. Polite.
2: Yes. <laughs> well, I grew up like an hour from Canada, so I have you know I have a little bit of that going on. <laughs> basically Canadian is what you're saying. Basically. Yeah. Um, I mean, i yeah, Michigan, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Basically Canada. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> um. I have like a weird I mean, it's like a convoluted start, I guess, but i I was I got really into music as a teenager, so kind of ended up going to shows a lot. and uh, starting I started playing in a band when I was sixteen. I actually went on tour when I was 16 as a musician, wow. which was wild uh, and a lot of fun. And uh, if I had a kid, I don't know if I would let them go on tour when they were 16, but also <laughs> it's like the most fun I ever had and maybe got me a little too hooked on uh, on the touring life. You got bit uh, by the bug. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just so fun. And uh, again, when I was in high school, uh, we were offered the chance to do a co-op placement, And I did it at a community radio station here in Ottawa called uh, CHUO 89.1 FM, which is uh, located at the University of Ottawa. And uh, they liked my work so much. I did a lot of work in the um, production uh, studio uh, that they hired me on as the production coordinator. So I was 17 and I had uh, what in my... Opinion is a real job, not that you know, working at the mall is not a real job, but it was just uh, more in line with my interests uh, and a lot of fun. So yeah, I was in the studio recording ads, uh, recording interviews, helping volunteers uh, kind of edit their shows. Uh, and then I, yeah, that just really got me interested in audio. What did you and, uh, What did you edit on back then? Just curious. Well, I'm not that old. Geez. Um, I don't know what you're implying here. I'm Um, I'm not implying a thing, I promise. I'm like, we did not have reels, if that's what you're asking. I'm saying that because I did at my radio station. (laughs) I am. No, no. It's funny, actually, because we transferred a few of them. There was a few left, and we were able to get the, um, like, kind of vintage uh, station IDs, which was a lot of fun, you know? Um so we were we were digital. So we were using uh, they were a big fan of using uh, Adobe Audition, which I think still to this day to me is a very like approachable software That's and That's what uh, I use. Yeah, That's it's what it's I just, it's used a great for like software. for a decade. Yeah, it's I mean it's for, for radio purposes it's great. Yeah. yeah. So we were digital.
1: Cool. Continue. Um, yeah. I, I'm
2: like did <laughs> I I'm like the classic queen of interruptions. So I oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. So no, we were, um, so I was in a, at the same time, I was still playing in bands, uh, and, you know, taught myself to record. So would mix and record, um, my own musical projects. And, uh, you know, at the time I was dating a live sound engineer and, uh, you know, I was like, you know what, I bet you, I could do that too. Like I'm, nice. I'm kind of the classic, like if someone's doing that, I'm like, I can do it too. <laughs> and, um, I stopped working at the radio station and I started interning, Uh, At local venues here. And so I had a lot of of great help. Uh, Slow Tom uh, comes to mind. He was uh, the sound engineer at what was then called Zaphods. And that's kind of a legendary Ottawa venue. And so he'd let me come in and like help me set up or like, you know, I'd help him set up the stage and then like maybe I could mix the opener and kind of just get my feet wet and learn a lot. Uh, and then I was fortunate enough to to get hired at another venue in town. So it was a two-story venue. So there was uh, the small club upstairs called Café de Cuff. Uh, write the letters backwards, and you'll see what that word spells. Can't say it on air, uh, on commercial radio. And then uh, downstairs was Mavericks, which was like the big kid venue. And, uh, yeah, I just started mixing, and it was it was a lot a lot of work at first. Uh, My first show, my second show, actually, there was so much feedback that I remember vividly looking at the door and being like, I could just run. (laughs) I could just leave (laughs) and no one would like, no one would find me. Uh, And then I kind of stopped myself. It's amazing. If I do that, I bet you they won't hire me again. And, you know, I'll never learn. So uh, yeah, I got some help. And it was really just like learning by doing because it's, you know, like, I don't want to say that I was given bad shows, but I was given the smaller shows or like the local mm-hmm. artists and really kind of put in the work until the bigger promoters in town were like, yeah, okay, you can do my Mavericks show, you know, with like an international touring artist, like you're not going to disgrace the city or whatever, you know, <laughs> uh, but it was a, uh, it was a big learning process. Yeah. So you basically learned by default. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Asking a lot of questions all the time, like some of the texts to this day from uh, from my decuff Mavericks days. One of the texts is still a, a very good friend, uh, Ben. Great dude. And so, you know, like, after we were done our shifts, because sometimes there'd be two shows happening, so two techs working, Mm -hmm. I'd be like, can we go get a beer? I got to ask you about the speakers. Like, this thing happened, and I don't understand, you know, like, or how would you approach this? And, you know, like, always texting, I'm like, oh, what is this mic? You know, why why does the artist have this mic, you know? But you just always, I think in this field, you always have to ask questions. Like, you can never know everything, and it's such a, like different environment different artists different equipment every day you know like there's just so much to learn and, and grasp every day so
1: were you always like the question kid have you always questioned everything and tried to figure out how
2: it worked and all that kind of stuff maybe not how it worked but i was always yeah that the questioning kid i think that's a good way to put it the questioning authority questioning uh, the pattern or you know why does it have to be done that way um, but, yeah, that, that's the, the question kid. I like that. <laughs> I, I have a nephew who's the question kid. He literally will ask you
1: questions until you tell him to stop. <laughs> all why day, Why would you stop? <laughs> why would you stop? My brother challenged me and said that uh, he's like, literally, and I was like, well, you can ask me any question you want, any time you want. And he's like, you did it now. And he wasn't kidding all the way till, <laughs> like, 2 in the morning. I was like, okay, boy, it's 2 a.m. <laughs> You can ask more questions tomorrow, but I have to sleep. <laughs> did you know that you wanted to do this for a living? Did you know you wanted to
2: be an audio guru for a living? Um, I don't think that I did. I don't know that I knew what I wanted to do, you know? So, I have, like I said, I've got a weird path. Um, I did an undergrad in political science um, at university, so that's got absolutely nothing to do with sound. Um, <laughs> although, I mean, I think reading Marx is always useful uh, maybe with the situation in the world right now. Um, (laughs) but yeah, so like, it was just a weird, um, I kind of fell into it and like, I, I graduated, I have a, an undergrad degree, uh, but you know, I've never worked in an office. Like I just, after I graduated, I just kind of kept working at the venue full time, uh, and eventually moved to Toronto, which is really kind of where my career, I uh, got a big kickstart. So Toronto, for those who don't live in Canada, I would say Toronto and Montreal are kind of the music centers of Canada, you know, mm-hmm. the L.A., New York, if you will. Right. Uh, so it was good for me to move there.
1: Awesome. What did you do once you got to Toronto?
2: Where did so you- I was super lucky uh, in my Ottawa DeCuff Mavericks days. I, I met her at DeCuff, actually. I thought she was so cool. Uh, this woman, uh, Karen Keeks-Waygold, total badass audio badass and she when she the first time I met her she came to this little venue we're talking about like a 110 cap room with I, I believe it was either a 16 or 24 channel snake that we had I'm going to go with 16 actually because 24 <laughs> seems like too much for that space and she lugged up it was an m7 which I'd never seen before like because we had a little 16 channel board obviously mm-hmm. and she was carrying her own snake uh, because she was out with a band that had, I believe it was something like 42 inputs, and, and they could not cut anything. And I was just like, wow, this is so cool. One, like <laughs> I rarely, if ever, worked with other sound women. And two, like, look at this crazy digital board, you know, because it was like, in right. those, I mean, this was like about 2009, 2010. Mm-hmm. And like, um, even in the bigger room, like people didn't necessarily always carry production. You know, and and digital was quite uh, expensive in those days. Yeah. You, know, you couldn't just have your little X thirty two. So it was just like my mind was blown, and I thought she was so cool. I'm like, you got to give me your number. You know, so if she was like, oh, I'm mixing in town, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'll be there. Like, I want to hear, like, what are you doing? How do you mix the bass? How do you do this? You know, so just kind of stayed in touch with her, and uh, and I was talking to her, and I'm like, you know, like I think I want to move, and she's like, you know, where I used to work, the the mod club is hiring would you like to work there? And I'm like, oh my God, I would love to. So I went down uh, for an interview and the technical director at the time, Eric, uh, hired me. And it was just like, I literally moved like six days later. Which That's like, awesome. That's, you know, and it was um, the mod club, uh, unfortunately. Yeah. So unfortunately the mod club uh, closed due to COVID. Um, but it was a, it was a great experience for me because it was a 650 cap room and we actually had two consoles. Mm. Uh, which is pretty uh, rare for that size. So I started working uh, as the monitor engineer and then eventually kind of ended up uh, at front of house for most shows. But it was just, uh, it was a good learning uh, space for kind of like bigger caliber bands because Ottawa is kind of, I would say, a, a B market. Some people would say a C market. So we mm-hmm. didn't always get kind of those uh, those larger mm-hmm. scale tours. And yeah, just having two digital boards to learn on and and working with a lot of like high caliber artists every day was just really good for me.
1: That's awesome. So, how did you get uh, into the
2: part where you started just freelancing and traveling around the world? Uh, so, with the touring, um, like with everything else in my life, I just harass people nonstop until eventually <laughs> someone says yes. But so, Canadian uh, harassment it, is not really harassment. Oh,
1: You're so debatable. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> debatable. <laughs>
2: Um, uh, but I kept, I mean, I, am a big fan of, uh, heavy music, you know, punk and metal. So I kept harassing, uh, the punk and the metal bands that came through. Cause like every time someone was like, oh, we love working with you. I'm like, well, here's my phone number. You should call me if you ever want a touring tech. Cause I would love to tour with you. Uh, and eventually, uh, a band called Ken Mode out of, uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba. They're kind of like a post metal, uh, band, I would say post hardcore. Um, they took me out. And so I started touring with them. Uh, I did North America and then I also did Europe with them. Uh, so they were my first, uh, my first tours. Uh, and it was just really like a great experience, like being out on the road, meeting new people. And were mixing you mixing rooms.
1: front of house the first time you went out?
2: Yes, it was mostly like smaller rooms. So most places was monitors from front of house. Uh, every once in a while, it'd be somewhere big enough, like maybe in Europe where there would be two consoles. But yeah, it was mostly monitors from front of house and, and that's, then when i moved that's a lot oh, well you learn pretty quick yeah it's it is a lot but um it was it was a good way to learn and then when i got to toronto i uh, just started meeting more artists and and more techs and we really just started giving each other gigs um i love my ottawa tech family but my toronto tech family like there was a bunch of us that were kind of coming up same spot in our career at the same time and we really supported each other like i started hosting uh not monthly, but maybe like every two, three months, uh, evenings. And we'd come out and we'd just talk and, you know, like, how did you do the show? And what's this mic again, just like shooting the shit together. Yeah. Uh, and we just became like a, a great bunch of friends. So then you knew like my artist needs someone Saturday. I can't go. I'm going to refer one of my six friends or whatever, you know? And there was a lot of, uh, women in this community too, which was cool. And I will say that the men, um, we're very open to working with women as well, which was, uh, I think a necessary, uh, change from what I'd seen, like in Ottawa, like my friends were very open to like reference, like referring me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will say the, the big AV company in town never would hire me until I moved away and started touring and like showing up at their gigs as the front of house. And then I got a call and I was like, I've been hitting you up for years. I've been mixing mm-hmm. the shop boys bands for years and you still won't call me to patch a stage. You know, it was, it was a little sad. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. So how did you get involved with Soundgirls?
2: You know what? I don't even remember. (laughs) Maybe (laughs) it's written in my first (laughs) blog. I think it must have just been like Googling, you know, like I can't remember if I found the Facebook first or, or the website, but, um, I've always been a big fan of message boards and, and the internet in general, if you can say, like, I think there's a lot, you can make really good friends on the internet as weird yeah. as it sounds, you know, like I think people, uh, don't think it's real, but it's, it's very real. Like some of my favorite people, like I've met virtually first, you know, so, yeah. um, that's how I discovered sound girls. And I mean, my interest was with, uh, maybe like representing Canada and like how, we're sometimes a little forgotten up here. Like it's, you know, people like the the classic joke of a Canadian tour and it's three dates.
0: <laughs>
2: you know, and Canada's a lot bigger than that. Um, right. And it can be hard to uh, for text to kind of break into the industry here because if you want to work in the United States, you know, you need a work visa. Your band has to get you a work visa, and mm-hmm. and that's an additional cost that not every band wants to pay for. Not every band can afford to pay for. You know, particularly those small DIY bands. Uh, an extra $600, that's, that's a lot of money.
1: Yeah. Yeah. When you're all shoved in one van traveling around the country, you know, <laughs> which I'm yeah. assuming
2: you've done a bunch of those
1: also band tours. Too many times,
2: <laughs> too many times. I was really looking forward hopefully this year to, to finally being on a bus tour, but or, this year, sorry, I mean, 2020. Yeah. Uh, but the year you
0: know, that doesn't end. Yeah. <laughs> one,
2: one day soon, hopefully. <laughs> right.
0: I never did touring, so I love to hear what other people's experiences are because I just, uh, it was never going to be in the cards for me. I, no, it's uh, I, the best. I learned when I was younger that I need more control over my situation than uh, the tour life can provide me.
2: That's totally fair. It is like, it's its own kind of thing, but you know, like I think it's been, uh, I know seeing all my other touring buddies, I think we've learned to live in the stillness a bit this year, mm-hmm. which is also maybe a skill that we needed to have <laughs> so i think yep. it's it's been positive in that regard
1: yeah I, i'm with you on that one it's been a little um, i've been super super antsy at some times and then other times i'm like oh this is nice to just sit here and listen to the birds and enjoy mm-hmm. my environment you know
0: to most of the time the place that you spend so much money on <laughs> yeah right <laughs> but you never see yeah like you don't see <laughs> true you're just true like that. why
2: did i buy these groceries that was laundry machine in your bed yeah that was when I first got
1: home and you know was here for a few months that was the first thing I kept thinking like dude the woman who lives in this house does a lot of laundry and makes a lot of dishes and I'm not exactly okay (laughs) with that like she (laughs) needs to go because I'm used to coming home for a couple days and I'm like I don't make that much mess in a couple days but in a couple months good lord
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah no it was definitely a change of pace for sure
0: i was like i need someone to come clean up my mess oh uh have you found uh, is it picking up more where you are or are you guys still pretty locked down
2: um so i'm in ottawa at the moment uh where my parents live um and no we're still under lockdown um it's still very uh Touch and go up here. Like during the summer, there was I know some limited capacity mm-hmm. uh, indoor venue shows, but I mean, at this point, I haven't lived here in, in close to six years, so I'm not necessarily on anybody's uh, tech call list. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, everybody's kind of really trying to get some work at the moment. Um, it's not a, a a great spot to be in, I think. Also, like just not as busy um, as say as somewhere like Toronto would be. Uh, but yeah, no, we're not. Uh, we're not. It's not uh, Japan. We are not open for shows yet.
1: What uh, what have you been doing with your downtime this last year?
2: Well, um, I decided to sign up uh, for school because why not? So I've been pursuing a graduate certificate in communications at Concordia University, which is in Montreal. Ooh. Obviously, things are virtual right now, so it doesn't really matter where you are. Good for um, you. So yeah, it's been it's been nice um, being back in academia. Which like I was like, can I even still read after ten years? <laughs> um, it was uh, you know I actually I I won the the top honors for the first semester for That's the awesome. students. So hey, I was like, you know what? Years of speaking to stagehands <laughs> didn't ruin my brain. Um, so it's been like, it's a cool program. It's like a mix of hands-on and, and mix of theory. So semester one was sound and, and semester two right now is, is film. And I will say like, I've never really, uh, I like movies and all, but I'm not like, you know, in the normal times, I probably would have rather gone out than watched a movie. And, you know, just reading about the editing and everything, I'm like, whoa, this is really cool. Like, this is a whole other world that I never knew about. And there's so much thought into what they're doing and or, you know, like Foley for for film and stuff like there's just so much out there that I didn't know. So I've been really uh, enjoying it, actually.
0: Fun fact, uh, women were the original film editors for a very, very long time. It was considered a woman's job. Oh, unglamorous, I assume. That's why. Yeah, but but, I mean, you you probably, I mean, especially studying it now, you probably see how much editing can affect the way that a film flows and moves. So that was like their own secret uh, artistic job that they had. Artistic and technical was
2: doing that. I would love to like watch someone piece together a movie. Like I'm sure that I can find something on youtube you know no really <laughs> no, i don't i think I, it's just like finding the flow you know and like what are you cutting and what are you getting yeah. like i think that's just so interesting
0: i have a film minor, and i i produce some like micro budget movies back in the day um so i would watch a lot of the editing process and watch how people like take this and then move it over here and let's see how it looks when i do this and it's really cool like a little bit and then hours and hours later you're like can we just finish this for the love of god <laughs>
2: Yeah. I mean, it seems like a very long process. (laughs) And, like, yeah, I was, like, I was watching little intro videos on, like, you know, like, how they edit fight scenes and stuff. Mm, I'm like, mm -hmm. my God. Like, that's, yeah, it is actually so much work. And it's just so seamless. Like, it reminded me a little bit. I'm like, ah, it's, like, my job, you know? Like, no one sees it until it's bad.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, I'm
2: just like, we are doing so much. And then... Um, yeah, you just think that I push up a button or whatever, you know.
0: <laughs> there's a lot of really amazing, like, behind-the-scenes content on, online. So if there's, like, a movie that you do like, you can almost always, like, search for it and see how they created created all of the behind-the-scenes stuff. And that's one of my favorite things to do, is to look know. up that stuff.
2: Well, I've got nothing but time right now, so... <laughs>
0: It's, yeah, so. it's people like you that are keeping me employed because I'm a teacher in college. So I'm oh. appreciating that people are studying and going back to school.
2: Cause. I mean, I've heard it's like uh, record-breaking uh, applications right now. So I, I actually, I applied uh, to, to do a master's uh, mm-hmm. next year. Awesome. So, you know, why the hell not? So yeah. um, I, I hope I get in somewhere. I'm um, going to find out in two months, I guess. But yeah, it, it's, yeah, school is, school is cool. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Very cool. So you mentioned, like, maybe, you know, that we might have, like, a bad show once in a while. So do you have any stories of, like, oh, my God, that happened at that show and we survived?
0: That
2: she's willing to share? (laughs) That you're willing to share. Oh, my God. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, yeah, the worst. We'll do a bad Uh, day and then a good day. Okay. I mean, just because it's the first thing that I thought of, um, I was mixing at, at Mod Club in Toronto and, uh, I guess we, we had a, an SC48 at front of house and the, um, the mouse was on its own little kind of like stand. I think that's how I hit it. But I was using, uh, a guest engineers who actually is, lives in Toronto now. Like, I think this is the first time we met. Um, I was using his, his file and his wave plugins and I'm like, I'll play with the delay. And I accidentally turned the feedback up to 100%, um, which uh, you try it someday if you want. Um, And we had a lot of PA at the mod club. So it sounds like a fire alarm. And the thing is, the fire alarm kind of, I say, would go off maybe every six months. So it wasn't something weird for me i'm like oh it's the fire alarm okay like we just have to evacuate <laughs> and the lightning guy looks at me he's like no man that's you and i'm like no no it's not me it's not me and i think i was also like muting my effects every once in a while and then like eventually like just muted the main and i'm like oh my god it is me oh, no. <laughs> um yeah so that was definitely like mortifying um but, uh, yeah, I learned, don't turn the feedback up to hundred.
1: So there's always one sure way to learn, right? And just do it wrong. Then you won't ever do it again. I mean, yeah.
2: to be, to be fair, I don't think that I did it, but like, look at your plugins, you know, and like maybe yeah. move your mouse far away. I think it just like, it just slipped, you know, like it had like the track wheel, but yeah, yeah. Right? Oh, not a good day. So how about, and there was a band on stage as well. So, oh man, <laughs> was yeah yeah they were stoked too let me tell you what okay we'll not talk be about going on tour day. with that band <laughs> a good day I mean any day in Europe for me is a good day because I think that I just haven't um I've been fortunate to travel a lot but like I love seeing new cultures mm-hmm. um seeing new spots and like I think every time like the first time uh that Ken Mode took me to Europe like it was just like it was just so cool to me to be like Someone wants me to mix them so bad that they're going to take me on a plane. That's, you know, so like cool. it was just, I felt so validated
0: mm-hmm.
2: and, um, operators took me to Primavera for the first time. I think Primavera is one of my favorite festivals in in Barcelona and we did a show at two in the morning Oh, and I'm like, this is so That's wild. Cool. Like, this is awesome. I'm mixing at two in the morning. Like everybody's partying. This is just so much fun. You know, like, I, yeah, I just any, any day in Europe for me is a good day.
0: Yeah, I I miss going places. Don't we all? <laughs> I
1: was like, oh, that just
0: sounds like a good day. <laughs> uh, mm, and just thinking of the food and the coffee, because it's yes. better. It's just better there.
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, I tour with a lot of foodies, nice. and I would consider myself also like a bit of a foodie, and, like, that's definitely part of the experience is being, like, on a day off, being like, where are you going to go eat? What are you going to go eat? Mm-hmm. Like, you just have to like take in everything you know
1: yeah and just to immerse yourself in the culture where you are is super cool
2: yeah
0: mm.
1: Well, as we're speaking about coffee what's your favorite go-to beverage
2: oh this this is so i was listening to a few episodes i'm like how would i answer this um so i am one of those boring people i love water like i always have a, a water bottle with me or whatever mm-hmm. um second beverage of choice i think would be coffee like that is again one of my great joys in mm-hmm. touring is, uh, is finding the cool coffee shop near the venue. Mm-hmm. And like knowing that I'm limited, I can probably only walk like 10 minutes at most because I'm the tour manager and something's going to burn when I'm <laughs> gone. Um, but for me, like that's like a nice little part of my day, like just being like, okay, I'm going to give myself 20 minutes, go get a coffee. It's a nice little break. I can hopefully see a little bit of the neighborhood where we are. Um, and yeah, just get like a nice roast, you know? And that's mm-hmm. that's actually a fun thing for the coffee lovers out there I've gotten into pour over coffee during COVID uh, and it's it's out of control how good it is
0: (laughs) that was my uh our well almost daily that was our little escape is that we could go order a coffee out and just walk in pick it up and leave but that was the little bit that we got to leave the house
2: and yeah I feel you that's like that's always I always uh like if I'm advancing tours, I would always go sit in a coffee shop just to kind of get out of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, I love coffee shops mm-hmm. and it's it's been really weird to be like, I mean, oh no,
0: you actually have to work at home now. <laughs> yeah. You can't go to the place. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I bought, uh, right when COVID started, I bought like a cool little espresso maker, mm-hmm. and, you know, some things where I could make my own fun stuff that I didn't have. I was like, I'm going to spend the money on it because I know I'm going to want it. And
0: yeah.
2: Seriously, you got to try a pour over. Indulge. $30. Like it's,
1: it's way better. I'm going for the pour over. You gotta have
0: that patience though to like just drizzle
1: yeah but it's so great so great see susan knows me you gotta have patience <laughs> yeah. and
2: she already knows becky's not gonna go for that <laughs> i would say that i didn't think i would but now it's like a zen ritual mm-hmm. seriously okay give it a All shot right. I'm, I'm i'm in i'm in i'm going for it and I'm, i'm not saying that like on a gig day i would want to do that but right now it's it's working for me
0: yeah it's just you do that, you know, little. It's better than Tim Hortons. Treat yourself. Sorry, Timmy. Ooh. Timmy Horton's <laughs> coffee is trash. I'm so sorry, Canadians all everywhere. It is.
2: <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not a supporter. But I will say, I guess I'm supporting in the sense if you're like, do you want Starbucks or Tim Hortons? I will pick Tim Hortons because I think that Starbucks is overpriced and like always
0: burnt. Always. Well, I only get iced coffee. Agreed. Being a Floridian, it's my one thing that I, I can't. I just can't drink hot coffee I do like their iced coffee their iced coffee I like their matcha tea okay
2: it's I mean that's again a concept I never thought about like ice drinks like every once in a while in the summer you'd get them but then you go somewhere hot like if you're in LA ordering a coffee they're like hot or iced I'm like what why is this a question <laughs> I mean hot. <laughs> you
1: know like i, have I still drink uh, being someone who grew up up north i still drink hot coffee and my friends are constantly like it's 3 in the afternoon i'm like it's coffee yeah why would you have like it cold <laughs> no, it wasn't know. until a couple years ago that i tried the iced coffee and it has to be super strong yeah. or i'm just like nope n- no candy
0: acquired taste i have struggled places outside mm. of florida that don't put ice in the drinks or don't put sufficient ice in, especially in Europe. They're not really big on ice cubes. And uh, ice is an American thing. I need the ice. I'm a Floridian. I don't care how cold it is outside. I need the freaking ice.
1: <laughs> I've lived here long enough. I'm up with you on that now. But uh, so, tell us just a little bit about your tour managing stuff. How'd you get into that from
2: being? did did that come with front of house sometimes i think it, did... it came with like i think it's kind of the classic uh thing in the industry now where they're just trying to like put jobs together uh and i don't i don't really know why it goes together um but yeah i kind of fell into it so it was just part of the gig with uh with some of the first artists that i worked with uh learned again a lot on the job you know book refundable hotels which i still forget to do sometimes um, you know, as I say that out loud, I'm like, oh, um, but yeah, it's, I mean, tour managing, I think is it, like, I, I think you can learn a lot from seminars and talking to others, but it's really until you're in the situation that you're, uh, you're going to see how you're going to react. Um, and you know, having uh, a network of people you can call and, and troubleshoot with is always so great in those scenarios. Cause it's like, chances are someone has been in that situation before and, and there is a way out of it. You just need to take a breath and uh, and figure it out,
1: yeah, I feel like uh. Like I used to want to be a tour manager so bad. I thought that was just the thing, right? And then I started going on tours and watching everything the tour manager did, and I'd ask questions, and I was like, I don't, want I don't want, you don't to do want that their job. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want that amount of responsibility, like no. ever,
2: <laughs> when I'm this tired. But I will say that at least, <laughs> like, I'm a bit of a control freak, and it, and so at least I know, like, I'm like, oh, this is where we're eating, this is where we're stopping, you know? Like, That's actually been the I comment know the before
0: plan. that they're like, no, because now I know where the hotel is. And- and if it's okay, and what restaurant is nearby that I like, and if there's laundry. So, like, I always feel weird. Like, I did a tour where
2: I was, I was quote unquote, just the monitor engineer. And it was weird to be like, oh, like, they're not sharing really any information. Like, I know I'm not going to die or anything. But like, yeah, <laughs> what is, where is the hotel? Like, what are we, what's the plan, you know? Like, and I don't want to be the person who's like, okay, what's happening? What's this? What's, what? you know, like, I was like, okay, well, I kind of do need to know, <laughs> you know, like, and you're not like, laying it out for me and there's no master tour or anything you know Mm -hmm. um i
1: was just gonna say do you use master tour or have you been on smaller tours i love master tour i
2: love i will pay for it myself if the artist says no um i think they're it's a great app uh and they're such nice people and always willing to help uh if you have issues and actually they they uh I remember I wanted to access uh, some old tour logs to to apply for my uh, American work visa and I just emailed them. I'm like, is it okay if I could just get like access for one day and not pay? And and they gave it to me, you know? So like very helpful people. That's awesome. Um, I, I love the product, you know, like, uh, of course, you know, you could just copy the information and use uh, Google or whatever, you know, but uh, at the end of the day, it makes me happy and I'm the one who's looking at it all the time. so
0: then it's worth
1: it i feel like that's got to take so much off your plate as a as a tour manager too you can just constantly be like just check your tour master you know oh they don't want asking
2: me no 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 that's the big joke that's the big joke (laughs) yeah why would we check when we can ask you (laughs)
1: right of course (laughs) we do that to our tour manager also and he's like it's in the phone it's in your app it's all on you and i'm like i
2: know but i'd rather hound you for the information i won't take it from crew but from the artist yeah i'm like fine i'll check
0: (laughs) nice do you have some advice that you would want to share with people who are up and coming for front of house or tour managing or whatever
2: yeah i think um just being open and, uh, constantly trying to learn new things. So like I said, uh, it is a process. You're not going to be perfect on day one. No one's perfect. Uh, so just kind of trying to always hone your skills, uh, and also, uh, always networking. Like I think that every job that I've gotten and every opportunity has been from someone that I met, um, at a show or, or, you know, like in a music setting, uh, and just, you never know when you'll see someone again or when you might work with them again so you know make a good impression and uh you know like it'll serve you well like again this was another tour I'd, I'd been on and um side story uh I showed up to a venue in Kansas I'd never been to Kansas <laughs> and uh I think it was an M7 actually at front of house and I'd never really worked on an M7 and I was just like oh my god like this is so scary like what do I do and I, I told the local engineer I'm like hey like I don't really know this board like can you help me And he, and he looked at me and he said I know you. Like, you live in Canada, right? And I said, yeah. He's like, yeah, I came through your venue, like, oh, wow. six months ago. You were great. Like, of course I'm going to help you. Nah. Oh, my God. Like, what is the chance? Lauren is you know? Chance? like, Yeah. yeah. Um, and it and it was him. Yeah. And he helped me. And, you know, I was just like, okay, cool. Like, I'm glad that I was having a good day that day. Like, I couldn't remember um, the show, mm-hmm. but I was like, okay, good. I, I put my best foot forward.
0: That's awesome advice. That's awesome. I, I met a friend one time yeah. in Russia, and we were just like, hey. Hey, we're both working here weird the world is so small
2: you know, <laughs> like, I know I think you. it really forgot.
0: is
1: <laughs> yeah after doing this like 20 years you know people be walking in and out of different venues and we'll just look at each other now and point like oh yeah I mean we have no idea who <laughs> we just know yeah we just know like I'm like I don't know your name but we have worked together before you know and it's just that look of oh yeah okay cool
2: <laughs> yeah I, I wish I was better with the names I gotta say that's my one of my problems um me too yeah. girl me too <laughs> like, there's a couple venues where like they'll like I walk in and they like so they know my name and I'm like oh darn hey it's you, you know, and like, I'll always tell the artist I'm like go ask the monitor engineer their name please yeah <laughs> like, the monitor engineer six times
1: away with it <laughs> in the last six months but like I just can't
2: remember yeah like, I'm like oh darn same like, <laughs> I'm like shoot <laughs> it takes the one person who remembers names quick Yes, I know. Actually, I wrote a, a good trick is to write it in your phone, and I'm always like, okay, do that, do that, and then I just don't. But maybe post COVID,
0: take their picture too, save right. it in save it in their contact, and then you're good to go. That's a little Speaking creepy. Stalkery, not if you. That's add. a little creepy. Not if you're like, oh, yes, of course, of course. Hey, <laughs> hey, I'm going to put you in my contacts. That I
1: thought you weird. meant like little sides. So, like slip. sneak like, I was like, ooh, Suze, I don't know. I'm scared of you.
0: <laughs> no, my favorite thing is having pic- pi- pictures in my phone of people with me. So I, most of the people oh. in there are me with that person, and that's how I do my stuff. So it's less creepy. That is a good way. Fair.
1: Oh yeah, that's
0: less creepy. <laughs> They're all looking at the camera. I swear. And
1: you ask. <laughs> All right. I'm going to start watching you now. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, anything else you want to share with our listeners or the Sound Girls or anything you have that you want to just get off your chest, even just something you want to say? That's where we're at. That's where we're at in this oh, interview. Okay. Um,
2: yeah. Well, go you for know, it. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm uh, excited to see what things will look like uh, in the industry. Hopefully we're back to shows soon. Uh, and, uh, to all my fellow music workers out there, chin up, we've got this, like we've, we've been through worse and, uh, yeah, let's just stay
1: positive. Cool. Thank you so much, Max. We appreciate your time and everything
2: about you. Ah, you guys are so sweet. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Sound Girls podcast. You can find out more information on the website, soundgirls.org. You're still here and listening? Clearly you need even more. Check out our friends at the Location Sound Podcast and the Sound Effect Podcast.
2: Hi, this is Michael Helms, host of the Location Sound Podcast. My recent guest is production sound mixer Byron Mayer, based out of Copenhagen, Denmark. We talk about recording sound on the feature film Torbos, the official Oscar entry for South Africa. Check out the latest episode. Hi, this is Christian from the Sound Effect Podcast. In our latest episode, you'll hear field recordist adventurer George Vlad from Mindful Audio talk about his travels and work, including his latest library, African Desert, all at soundeffectcom forward slash podcast.